When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for having me, Joe. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. There's a sober tone today. I would say somber. Somber, sober. You know, look, this is an emergency podcast. We mm-hmm. are, we are, we are. This is this is not a. What do we call the other ones that are like sort of emergencies, but not really? They're uh, they're pos like uh, like DefCon, PosCon. Oh, PosCon four, yeah. So let's yeah, so yeah. let's let's orient this. So PosCon one, like DefCon one, is the most serious. That's right. PosCon five is the least serious. It's, yes. This is probably PosCon two. Two. This is a two. This is a two. Yeah. This is. I would say this is a full fledged emergency. Yeah. Uh, maybe not end of the world emergency like Tony Larusa or something, but but a <laughs> but it's still a full fledged emergency. Uh, which wait, we let's get to- so wait, let's figure this out before we continue <laughs> because like yes. all podcast emergencies, we'll get to the emergency sometime around minute forty. I think it's forty, yeah, forty one or forty three, yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. So yeah. let's try to orient the the listeners in terms of like what PauseCon one is versus <laughs> PauseCon five. Right. Okay. So okay. let's start with the least serious kind of emergency, like a PauseCon five emergency. Five. But that would still cause us to do a pause. Yes. Right. But would not. But would not be all right. So that would be. I don't know, like a like a trade, maybe like would like would would there be like it, it, not a significant trade, but a, maybe the Yankees getting somebody would that be a Poscon? Yeah, okay, so like the Yankees. So Michael King, one of their uh, no name relievers who is uh, better than Mariano Rivera ever has been <laughs> in his career this year. Of course, uh, he just went down with an elbow injury and is out for the year. That's right. And Araldis Chapman is kind of nowheresville, right? Yeah. What's so wrong? if the no. Yankees traded for some some decent, like it, it, a, a big trade, if they got Josh Hader, that would be Poscon two or one, probably two or one. Yeah, that would be that would not be four. But a Poscon five. five would be if they just traded for some middling reliever or decent reliever from the from the Pirates or from the yes. from the uh, uh, you know from the Diamondbacks or something who you don't you've never heard of but if you look at his stats he's got like a 1.06 whip yeah or whatever. all right so so let's just let's just say it let's just say the name it's if if they trade for Will Crow I think if they trade for Will Crow <laughs> sure that's a, it, we're worried about it we're concerned Will Crow has been a fine pitcher for the Pirates right with with his with his 3.25 ERA and there's like the fact that Clay Holmes is their closer and has been essentially unhittable this year unhittable, so like yes, now we're yes. worried because the Pirates to Yankees pipeline <laughs> seems to be paying dividends for the Yankees right, so that's that's a right. Poscon five Poscon right? five. Yeah, Will Crow. I'd say Will Crow is a Will Crow to the Yankees. Poscon. Yes. <laughs> Poscon, <laughs> Poscon. Poscon 4 
I don't know. Now, so you tell me, because I, I this has been a very interesting scenario. PazCon 4, I think, was the first week of Matt Carpenter. So, like, not now, because now Matt Carpenter is definitely a higher PazCon, right? Yeah. Like, like, but, like, the first week when he hit, like, a couple of home runs, uh, and we're I, like, yeah, we I would that. narrow it down. I would say the first week it's a PazCon 3. The first home run is a PazCon 4, right? The okay, first, Because yeah. cause they expected exactly nothing of him. He's essentially been right. out of baseball for three years. And right. he shows up, and he does the thing that every single person who was ever picked up by the Yankees off of a scrap heap does, which is homer yes. in his first game. It is a that's right. It is a mathematical certitude yes, that that right. guy was going to homer. However, that still qualifies as a Poscon four. Yeah, it's a Poscon four because we are we you and I have been the ones yelling this to the world. That's right. And the world hasn't listened to us. No. We have been the Buck O'Neills of this of this Yankee fiasco, yeah. and people won't listen to us. Hang on one second. I have to pause and let my dogs in, and then I'll be back. <laughs> okay, I'm back. So PazCon 3. What's a PazCon 3 level right, emergency? So PazCon Obviously, 3, that's, that's Matt Carpenter's first week as a PazCon 3. Yes. All right. But we, but we don't want it all to be just the Matt Carpenter scale. Right, right, right. You know, that, good call, which, good call. Although it should be. Although it should be because it's driving me insane. It's, <laughs> the guy... The guy is like, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame based on just what he's doing for the Yankees. He had the greatest 50 at bat stretch of knocking in runs in the history of Major League Baseball. Did you see that? The highest percentage of RBIs per at bat of any player in the history of the game. The history of baseball. Over 50 at bats. As a 36-year-old who has has hit well under 200 for each of the last two or three years. And was and was a no was released by the Rangers. <laughs> All right, let's let's do a little let's do a little math here. All right, as we speak on Monday, July twenty fifth, day after the Hall of Fame, which we will get to in a bit. Um, Matt Carpenter is hitting three twenty three, four forty two, eight twenty eight. Okay, that's what he's eight twenty. Yeah, that's a one point two seven zero OPS. In case you and by the way, that's after a stretch of I think back to back games where he was like zero for six with two. Yeah, walks. right. Right. So right. his slugging percentage it, fell. His slugging percentage was at one point, I think, nine twenty. Yes. And yes. it fell so hundred so points in six of This is coming off of a little mini, not even a slump, because he still gets a one game there. slump. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Fourteen home runs in thirty five games. Mm-hmm. Fourteen home runs in thirty five games. So let's do a little quick math. Okay. All right. So so hundred and forty game season. Hundred and forty game season. That you're multiplying that by 50, what? Fifty six home runs. <laughs> Right, 14, 28, 56. Yeah, yeah. 56 so home runs. He's on a 60 home run pace over over a full season. Yeah, and he's Matt Carpenter. Correct. Who he's had, 36 who, years old, and he has had a, a OPS under like 550 for the last two or three years. Look, he went he went to Texas. Texas signed him to a minor league deal, like sort of as a homage to the young Matt Carpenter, right? Right. But they were like, yeah, no, look, we wish he could play. But he can't, and yeah. and that's it. I mean, it's a shame. He's thirty, what, thirty six now, mm-hmm. and he is he's not been a himself uh, since two thousand eighteen when he hit thirty six home runs that year. Hasn't been any you know really worth much anything since then. No, and now he's he's, he's basically on Roger the same Maris home run pace per game as Aaron Judge. As Aaron Judge, yeah, all right. Yeah. So that's an emergency all its own. But a Poscon three. Poscon three. That is, seems let's, like... Let's go to a different sport. Yes, I agree. I agree. Like, is PazCon 3 like 
not the signing of Deshaun Watson, but the rumor <laughs> that the Browns are interested in Deshaun oh, Watson. Something like that's that. That's very good. That yeah. could be that could be look, I think the Miami Heat winning a couple of playoff series is kind of a POSCON three. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, like or or like the cowboy. If the cowboys Ooh, got like the cowboys the, sound, got a bye yeah. week or something, got, it headed into the playoffs <laughs> with a bye. There we go. I like that. Yeah. If the cowboys this year go to the playoffs with a bye, that will be an emergency. If they're Poscon the one three. seed in the NFC, that's a oh, Poscon three emergency. Ooh, one, one seed is almost two. Poscon two. Well, that's the only team that gets a bye now, right? Because it's oh, uh, that's right, that's yeah. right, that's right. But yeah, but I think the reason that it's oh that that's a Poscon three and not a Poscon one is because the Cowboys always fall apart in the playoffs, and that's so you right. still have a reasonable expectation of yes. them losing. But but like. We're on alert. We're this right. is a this is a well, dire situation. Them going to the Super Bowl is a Poscon. That's one. a Poscon no, one. Yeah, no question. Okay, yeah. all right then. Poscon two, we've we've more or less determined is is what? Like, well, what it's it's what we're going to talk about today, which is the uh, Boston Red Sox <laughs> collapsing. <laughs> Like completely good. Just just the last twenty games of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, basically. July. Yeah. So the Boston July. Red Sox in July. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's then, a Poscon two. And then a Poscon one is the White Sox hiring Tony Larusso. Like that we we already know what a Poscon one is. Let's give We've some other that. examples though. I think yes. the, the Heat the Heat being one game from the NBA championship would be a Poscon one. Oh, I agree with right? that. Right. The Heat I having think... like a three three one lead or whatever three two lead how, anything. How many NFL teams? Being in the Super Bowl would quantify, qualify as a Poscon one. It's not many, right? It's Ooh, I think Cowboys and Steelers, there. certainly. Yeah. I think of the Ravens. The Ravens. Yeah. The problem is Lamar Jackson. The Ravens are driving me crazy because I love Lamar Jackson so much, and I hate the Ravens so much. Yeah, it's that's a that's a tough one. It that, is they, tough, they, and uh, they and each there's other. also a, a certain it, the Ravens and the Heat are analogs to me because they, without question. Are good at what they do. That's right. They are good. Direct. They are good at scouting. They always and and by the way, the Steelers kind of fall into this same oh, category, yeah. right? Oh yeah. They they all their guys that they draft are always good. They're always yes. drafting and developing players who become great linebackers, great safeties, great cornerbacks, good wide receivers. Like they draft Juju Smith Schuster and turn yes, him into do. a good receiver. The Ravens every single defensive player the Ravens ever draft well, you're like well why didn't we we should have just that the, well, every the, team should just find out who they're going to draft and then draft them instead <laughs> but I don't I don't know if it would work because it's yeah. like another team drafts Lamar Jackson and who the heck knows where it goes I mean Jack you know the Ravens build an offense they're like oh this guy is, is unbelievably great at these things we'll build an offense perfect for these things yeah and he's a superstar so I mean it's like you know there's they're they're smarter than the, the Ravens. I don't. I have no animosity toward the Ravens, except for the fact that they're the Browns right. that that moved. So I can't let go of that. But I respect the heck out of everything the Ravens kind of do. Right? Yeah, I know it's annoying. So how? Okay, so Ravens, Steelers, Cowboys. Are there any other teams whose mere appearance in the Super Bowl? Washington. Washington. Oh, Washington. Yeah, the yeah. Washington Commandos or whatever. The Washington called. whatever. Yeah, they're called the Washington yeah, they, Senators. They <laughs> Washington, Washington football team, which was still their. The Anybody else? Not, not, no. not Green Bay, really. Not. not oh no. no, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be happy if Green Bay gets in, but I wouldn't. It's care. not an emergency. 
No. All right. How many teams? Much. How many teams making the World Series are a Poscon one? Besides the Yankees, obviously. Are there any other ones that you would say would be a Poscon <sighs> one emergency? I don't. I mean, as long as again, some teams could be, but they have one sort of defined like like Houston could be a Poscon one. Yeah. Not, not so much, but they've got Dusty. So now it's like that. I don't. They've I don't got Dusty, and honestly, they're whatever they are—a game and a half behind the Yankees for yeah. home field in the playoffs. I'm You're, I'm essentially counting on the Astros exactly. to knock the Yankees out of the playoffs exactly. this year. Yeah, that's, they're not even close to the Yankees in 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 that level. I don't know. I mean, it's not a Poscon one. Here we go. All right, I will I will tell you teams. I will list off some teams, and you tell me what Poscon level they are. I love this. Great, Wizards. let's do it. <laughs> this, we'll, we'll, we're getting to that emergency. Don't worry. Um, all right, here we go. This is going to be this is going to be so great because because there's going to be so. This is only teams. baseball teams or teams from any sport. Well, I'm going to do baseball first, and then okay. we can see because I'm I'm not going to do all of them, but I'm going to do ones that I know you'll have some very strong opinions. About. Okay. All right, let's start with baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals. Ooh, that's uh-huh. up there. Uh huh. So the question is, this team being in the World Series, what level of emergency is it? What level of Poscon emergency? That's is a it? Poscon. That's a Poscon two, I think. I think it's a two. I think it's a two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the New York Mets. Well, okay, a few years ago, that's yeah. a that's a two or maybe even a one. Right. I kind of am enjoying the Mets these days. <laughs> I mean, the reason it's a Poscon, it's probably a Poscon three emergency, four, and the maybe. and the real reason is because of their owner. It's not right. because of the players, right? Because the team has been they they are they're in the category certainly of lovable loser teams. Yes, it's been and they're kind f- of it's, delightful now. It's they been have almost some delightful players. Yeah, it's been almost fifty years. It was seventy three, right? Was when they won the no, last six. What's that? 86. I, I'm sorry, 86, yeah. But yeah. The, the last time that they were, like, relevant for a long period of time was, like, the late 60s, early 70s. Early like they 70s, won, They won in 86, but they weren't any good. They were. They made the Subway they, Series they in 2000. They made in 88, yeah. In 88, well, I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah that, they've that had team, blips, but they, they haven't had, like, a... They haven't been a good franchise in, in No, we've forever. seen, you know, people write books about how <laughs> terrible it is to be a Mets fan. Yeah, so, so, so that... But it's their owner. It's their, the owner. here's the thing about their owner is, and I can't help myself... He's like a good owner. Yeah, right. Sure seems I mean, like it. It seems like he's a really good owner. He's, it might be a, the worst person, but he seems like he's like a really good owner. So, yeah, I I think it's a three or four probably. Yeah. All right. Let's see if, if there's anybody else in. It. What do you? Where are you putting the Dodgers and the Giants? I, I like. I like the Dodgers. Yeah. So I, I don't. I that's that's not an emergency for me. I I I root for the. I openly root for the Dodgers. I think right. they're they're really a fun team to watch. Obviously, I'm biased. Yeah. My jerk son is is a fan. <laughs> I I but I've legit become a fan. I really have. Yeah. I've become a okay. fan of the franchise and of the team. Um, I have no I have no animosity toward them at all. So what about what about the Giants though? The Giants are are the are the light are Cardinals light where it's like they're annoying because they're always in it. Yes. And they and like last year they went 108 games or whatever it was and and they uh, and it, it was impossible to figure out how. I don't hate the franchise though. Like I, no. I, I they're annoying in their consistency. They're they're. A, they're like sort of like the Ravens. You kind of just have to respect them, and you, you respect them. You don't like power. them, but you respect them. <laughs> All right, the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not an emergency for me. I mean, no. again, it's it, Mark Davis. You don't want anything good to happen to Mark Davis and his or the hair. Raiders in general. Yeah, right? but there's but also like I kind of weirdly like Derek Carr. Am I crazy? <laughs> I kind of like him. Like I feel Why? like Why? Why do you like Derek Carr? I, because I think that he's been un un uh like undeservedly crapped on. By people, I think he's a pretty I, I good quarterback. He's a he's, pretty good quarterback, and he's been like made fun. Like if you look at his numbers, he's the best quarterback that franchise has ever had. It's crazy, <laughs> but the, name a better Raiders quarterback, and the answer is not Kenny Stabler. Like they've never had a better quarterback than him. You're and not putting Jim Plunkett up. There. Not Jim Plunkett. No matter how no. many Super Bowls. No. You and so I, I feel like he's one of those like underdoggy kind of stories I that like I that. that I can get behind. I could see that. I could see that. Where where will your heart be if the New York Giants? It's it's so ridiculous to think that they ever would, but if they ever got back to the Super Bowl, they that would be for me a a def, a Poscon three or or maybe uh, two. I really hate yeah. the Giants. You hate I, the Giants. I, I really do. Yeah, for and, obvious. And reasons. the Giants being horrendous does not in any way reduce that hate. No, it it makes it uh it's joyful to me that they're that they're so bad and so <laughs> poorly run and that they hired uh Gettleman to run that team is so funny. Like and he, that he drafted Daniel Jones in the first round when he probably could have had him in the 6th. Like I I like that all of their mistakes are joyous to me. They're like very I, funny. They're yeah, very They're funny. very funny and I and because they uh, beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl, I want them to just suffer 30 years of <laughs> mediocrity and misery. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. What? All right. So Miami. I'm looking at Miami. This is so now we're 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 off to the NBA. Miami. You're you don't care if Toronto goes. You don't no. care. Well, Phil, Philadelphia. You don't care, do you? No. You don't like Philadelphia, but you don't. You I, don't I love I love Embiid. I think Embiid is great. I, I think he's fun to watch. Um, I I I don't love Harden, as you know. I so, do know that. So I, I that would be a little bit annoying, but I, I don't hate the 76ers. I think I, I don't. It's there's just not that many you know really hateable teams. No, it's the, the heat. It's the Heat and the and the Lakers and the uh, Lakers. Yeah, that those are the two like serious emergencies. Yeah, for me. I think that's it. So I think we've gone through what the emergencies All right. uh, would be. Uh, I don't know if there's a golf emergency like that would that would qualify well you know. i'll tell you a go, a, a poscon three emergency that has emerged recently or maybe two would be if one of the live golfers is leading a major on on, day, uh, on sunday yeah like if dustin yeah. johnson is is in is like has a two-stroke lead at the masters next year that's going to be a poscon <laughs> three or two emergency that is you're right you're right i the only real the other only other real emergency i see is when a player who I think is cool and I kind of like, like even threatens to go to live golf, or at least there are rumors about him. A lot of them, they, they don't threaten at all. But like if we know that that like Rory McIlroy won't go, he's he's been very clear about how much he hates live golf and has been a, a warrior against it. Uh, and jo- Jordan Spieth, who I think is pretty cool, uh, is not going. And there are a few of those guys that I'm like, eh, if they went – to live golf, that would really kind of stink. So yeah. that could be that could be a, a mini, a mini. That could be uh, a like mini. A, a four, yeah. a four, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't be too big. All right. Well, we have a a Poscon two that we've decided. Right, but before we about. get there, because it's only been twenty minutes, we have to filibuster another twenty three minutes before of we get to it. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame. You just Let got, us talk. You about got the back Hall from Cooperstown. You were there uh, yes. for Buck O'Neill's 
Yes. Uh, uh, fi- like 20 year overdue <laughs> induction <laughs> into the Hall of Fame, yes. posthumous induction. You were also there for David Ortiz. Yes. What are your give give us the give us the headlines? What's the big what's the big headline? What's the overview of your time there? Well, I mean, you know, you you mentioned the two the two cool guys, but I mean, Minnie Minoso went in, and you know, I was a huge huge Minnie Minoso fan and supporter, and uh, I mean, the the coolest thing happened. I got mentioned in yeah. the Minnie Minoso speech. This is kind was, of a so let's start here. This is an yeah. enormous honor. Oh my gosh, you, a sh- and a sh- and a complete shock. Complete you had no idea it was going to happen. No, I not only did I not have any idea it was going to happen. It was like. I was, I mean, I was listening to the speech because it was uh, from his wife and it was, it was very touching and, and warm. Um, but I, that's it. I mean, like I, there was like, I was like, yeah, it's great that Minnie gets in. And then you hear your own name talked about being one of the people who, who made it happen. Um, wild. Was, I mean, really, really well, wild. Well, explain what the, explain what the actual uh, context was. Like what, what was said about you? Yes. Yeah, so, so um, his his wife was giving the speech and talking about, you know, this being you know, this was every bit, if not more, overdue than Buck O'Neill. Uh, you know, I've I've written and said this before. You don't have to compare Buck and 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 Minnie. Everybody knows how I feel about Buck, um, but I think Minnie Minoso was the biggest absence in the Hall of Fame for the last twenty five years. I, I you you look, he was a great player. Buck was a very good player. Buck wasn't a great player. Minnie Minoso was a great player. Mm-hmm. And he was the first dark-skinned Latino player in the major leagues, the first star. He was Roberto Clemente's hero. Yeah. And and he and has been called many times the Latino Jackie Robinson. What how is the Latino Jackie Robinson not in the Hall of Fame? It was it was outrageous. So I wrote that many Many times, and uh, you know, look, I don't have no have any idea what kind of impact it had, but about six months ago, before the vote, um, the White Sox were doing something, and they asked me to be a part of like a video thing that they were doing, and and to talk about Minnie, and, and which I was very happy to do, and and uh, and then suddenly here we are, and it's induction day, and I'm super happy for him, for his family. I met his son while I was there. Um, uh, who was the uh, cool guy, and and it was it was really really touching. And then suddenly she's up there and she's like, you know, I want to thank the people that that you know helped make this possible. And she mentions me and Bob Kendrick, uh, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and Bill James. Like it was like, you know, my friends were were being named for this very cool thing. And and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it made me feel incredible. It was such wild. an incredible moment. Yeah, so wild and and so unexpected because, of course, I'm I'm there thinking about Buck and you know here comes Buck's speech and and how that's going to go and and uh, to have that happen was really cool. So so Minnie gets in, which was awesome. Tony Oliva, who was my father's favorite player, gets in. So that was incredibly cool. Jim Cott gets in, which is really cool. Uh, Gil Hodges after. A million years, you know, he 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 was really close fifty years ago, and he gets in finally. As and Bud Fowler, you know, of the of the from the nineteenth century, gets in. So it's like this really really cool thing. But no question, one is the the buzz in that town for Big Poppy. I like like you should have been there because it was it was flooded with Red Sox fans, of course, but. Like Big Poppy was kind of there were like four Big Poppies. Like he he was like everywhere. Everywhere you turned, 
you saw Big Poppy and that big smile and him, you know, you know, beating his chest and 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 you know, shouting out to everybody and uh, you know, I don't know that anybody's ever had more fun going into the Hall of Fame than than Poppy did. So that was incredibly cool. I I actually through through uh, I guess through my connection with Buck O'Neill, uh, I got to go to the uh, party that they have Friday night. They they have a very cool reception with all the Hall of Famers, and it's under a tent. It's it's thrown by by uh, Jane Forbes Clark, who's the uh, chairman of the the Hall of Fame. Uh, beautiful you know land right by the water, and. You walk in there and it's it's like it's the strangest thing because literally everywhere you turn uh, is all a famer or some gigantic person in baseball. So who are, so list them off like like give us give us some examples. So here. so I walked in and I was standing in front of Burp Lylevin, Mariano Rivera, and uh, and Brian Kenny. He was not a Hall of Famer, but he was there. Uh, obviously, he he was the host of the thing. So that's how I walk in to go say hello. It was one of those like Gatsby party where you had uh, Jane Forbes Clark and the president, Josh Raywich in the front to greet everybody as they came in. And so I walk in and then the first table is George Brett uh, who, who grabs me uh, by the, you know, around the neck and like starts t- taking me to different tables, telling people here's the greatest sports writer in the country. And <laughs> he was, he was in the bag already. So it was, it was, it was, it was fun. And then you know, then the, like to the right was Cal Ripken, who who was he's mammoth. Cal Ripken, he's is a so big dude, yeah, huge. He's huge. He's such a big guy. I think like, you know it because you you remember that you know he was the tallest shortstop and whatever. Um, but he's huge. He's, he's he's like such a big guy. And then Dave Winfield was there, and and then we walked over to Eddie Murray and Ozzie Smith, who were. Uh, I was there with Bob Kendrick and, and they were giving Bob Kendrick a hard time, which was really fun to watch. And then somebody was like, we walked over and, and, and Bob said, I want to meet, I want to meet Larry. I've never met Larry. And I'm like, who the heck is Larry? I literally was like, <laughs> what is he talking about? And we walk over to, to Larry and I don't recognize him because as you know, I don't recognize people. And it was Larry Walker. So ah, that's the thing. He wanted to meet Larry Walker. Brand I was new, thinking, uh, like only brand, one, brand, whatever, one year one ago, year, right? Yeah. One year ago. I actually thought, he said, I want to meet Larry. I thought he meant Chipper Jones. I literally, like in my mind, like, wait, Chipper Jones' real good name guess. is Larry. But I, I would I have guessed Larry Chipper. Boa was just hanging out. <laughs> that would have been Larry Bittner. Like that would have been really cool if that had happened. <laughs> And then, and then, like you know, everywhere you turn, Dave Winfield, Jim Tomey, and and uh, I, I don't think Sandy Koufax was there, but but virtually everybody else was. Tony Oliva was there, and and uh, Ferguson Jenkins was there, and uh, it was really really cool. Uh, but the one really weird moment, somehow, because I was with Bob and we were walking around, we ended up in a like extended conversation with Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> And which is funny, all this stuff. And Paul Beeston, remember Paul Beeston for the Blue Jays? Yes, and yeah. Was, he was president of the of uh, MLB for a while, and we ended up like like talking with them, and they were. He was very nice, you know, and 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 it was mostly Bob's talking about the museum. It was important for Bob to 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 make some FaceTime, and you know, obviously they're trying to to do some big things at the museum this year, which we can talk about uh, before we're done, and. And it was very cool, and I was sort of just on the side, 
Uh, and you know, Bob introduced me to my friend Joe and, and blah, blah, blah. So then we're getting ready to leave and Paul Beeston leans over to me and he goes, what, what's your, what's your name? Like, what's your last name? And I say, yeah, I'm, I'm Joe Posnanski. And he goes, oh my gosh, you wrote the greatest book I've ever read. And he starts like fanboying me. Paul Beeston just starts like about which going, book? The baseball one about the baseball one hundred. And he goes through it literally like chapter by chapter. He's like, it starts with your mom, and then you go to Ichiro, and then he's just going. And Reinsdorf's over there going, he's not joking. He talks about you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And and then I had a photo. Jerry Reinsdorf took a photo of me and and Paul Beeston together. He's like, hey, hey, take a photo of us. And while he's taking the photo, Paul Beeston says, in 40 years of coming to the Hall of Fame, I've never had my photo taken <laughs> with anybody. This is amazing. This is, I mean, okay, so what's, I I, I would guess being name-checked in Minnie Minoso's oh, yeah. speech yeah. is beats that, but that's a pretty good second place it was for a cool really, moments. It was a very cool moment, but it was also so weird that it was like it was more weird than cool yeah like 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 if you're paul beeston and you go to the hall of fame maybe having your photo with willie mays yeah. might be better willie i don't mays, know Hank I mean, Aaron, Hank Aaron, Cal Sandy Ripken, Kopech, Pedro Cal Martinez. i don't know maybe so <laughs> so it was weird and i felt really you know but of course it was really cool all of it was cool yeah the whole weekend like I've been to the Hall of Fame ceremony a few times, but obviously never the same way, right? Because I was there for Buck O'Neill. We Bob and I did a, an event at the at the Doubleday Ballpark there, uh, right by the the uh, Hall of Fame. We did another event up at a brewery nearby. So like there was, I was sort of a part of it, which was really cool, um, and it was incredible. It was it was truly truly incredible and so much more emotional even than I thought it was going to be. Because I might have thought about Buck going in the Hall of Fame. It's like, this is awesome. I'm yeah. glad he's going in. But he's not here. So, you know, I, there's always that lingering, well, why didn't they do this when he was alive? And then it, he would have been there, you know? It's, it, it will, it is and will always remain one of the most inexplicable decisions yes. that, the, or, <laughs> that the Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame have ever made. Yes. Not to do this at the moment that you detail in your book that you yes. wrote about Buck O'Neill, there is there was a moment for this, and it passed inexplicably, even by baseball standards. Everything yes. baseball does is inexplicable <laughs> and bizarre, and yet this decision is it, it truly it like the the thing that makes it so inexplicable besides the fact that he deserved it. Like forget forget leave his on field and managerial and scouting careers aside for a second. Right. He was, without question, one of the greatest ambassadors the game had to its fans. Not just because he told people stories about the Negro Leagues, but just because he loved baseball so much. Absolutely. And, and as you detail in your book, they he everywhere he went, people would come up to him and be like, "Oh my God, you're Buck O'Neill! Like, yes. my I love you, and my dad loves you, and my mom loves you, and my sister loves you." With the can I yes. take a picture? And he would tell them stories, 
And he was when, as you wrote recently about his induction, when uh, Ken Burns was making his documentary about baseball, they found him, and it was like in the in the old. Um, in in movies when like people are drilling for oil and they drill yes. down and a gusher of oil comes <laughs> out, out, that's yeah. what he was just of knowledge and joy yes. of for the game, and the idea that you wouldn't let him into the Hall of Fame at a moment when he is alive and can continue to be that ambassador can be celebrated for being that and can also continue yes. to be that. It's just it's like a pain that will never quite be eased. Like right. this 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 goes some way toward easing it. And as we talked about with Bob Kendrick when we did the podcast from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, he, the, the way that their uh, their field, their main exhibit was set up was Buck was outside the fence looking in at the field yes. because he was not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so now he can be moved inside <laughs> into the other side of the fence. Yes. So there, it's not like nothing good comes of this. Obviously, good things come of this. But it will always sting. Uh, and I would imagine uh, for you times a thousand as it is for me because you knew him personally. I did not. But it will always sting that they didn't do this at the moment they should have done it. No, that's right. Bob and I talked about it many times, even in Cooperstown. I mean, we tried to say Buck wouldn't want us talking about this, but of course we did. Here's here's one last thing because it'll be the last time I'll ever have to do it. He's in the Hall of Fame now and, and it's wonderful. His plaque's up there. Um the day that he didn't get in, so this is 2006, they have a special committee put together to put in literally as many people right. as they want. No limit. There's there's no limits. There's nothing. They heard 36 people on the ballot that they, that they reduced down. They could have put all 36 in. There was nobody telling them not to, okay? So we have that moment, and I, the moment I do think about a lot, I mean, other than all the stuff that happened with Buck and Buck speaking on behalf of the 17 and everything else that, that was beautiful about it. At one point, Faye Vincent, who was a non-voting member of the committee, walked back in because Buck had fallen a vote short. And he walked back in <laughs> and he said, guys, <laughs> Buck, you're going to vote Buck in, right? Like he literally was like, he was like, guys, Buck O'Neill, it's like the only guy on this ballot that most people have ever heard of. Uh, he's he's, he's been still alive. He's alive. He's like, what? Just, I, I'm not going to try to change your vote, but please think about what you're doing here. And they still didn't vote him in. I that That is the part that I cannot. I just can't grasp it. I, I, you know, Minnie Minoso was on that ballot too. And Minnie Minoso should have been voted in right then. Right. But at least the, they could honestly say, look, you know, sort of the way that like, like the Supreme court will sometimes go like, Hey, we don't necessarily agree with this, but it's up to Congress to change the law. Yeah. They could have, they could have said, it's not our place. Minnie Minoso was only a Negro leaguer for three years. Right. It's not our place to put him in major league. We think he should be in, but it's not for us to say, okay, I don't agree with that, by the way. I think, hey, if you can write a wrong, write a wrong. I mean, like, why, why you? That's why like you the games? FBI going, look, tax evasion wasn't Al Capone's worst crime, so it's not really. <laughs> right. a, they should, they should really get him on murder or whatever. Right. It's like, but just, right. just do the just right put thing. Him in, do the right thing, and then don't worry about it. Um, but Buck, like, what, what possible, what possible thought could be going through your head to say? 
Well, 17 is my, I can't go higher than 17. I'm not, I'm not putting 18 in and, you know, and he's the one. The craziest is, detail, obviously, is the fact that there was no limit placed on them because. No limit. When, the when weirdest you, thing. It, the Hall of Fame never does that. Right. Like if, if, if you say, if you started the Hall of Fame now. Yeah. And you said, okay, we're going to put uh, 20 guys in the Hall of Fame. And one of those 20 guys wasn't whoever, Pedro Martinez. Right. or Cal Ripken, or Larry Walker, you would right. say, look, that guy's a Hall of Famer. It's just that we're limited to 20 people. Right. They had right. no limit. There, was, no there limit. were no constraints. There were no constraints. It's wild. And, it, and again, it's it's unprecedented in the Hall's history for them to give. I mean, they're so cautious about this. But here's what the other thing about it that sort of, that sort of gives you a little bit of a bad taste about 2006. The reason they gave them no limit is they basically said, Put everybody who's in the Negro Leagues in the Hall of Fame and leave us alone. Right. We don't we don't want to deal with right. this anymore, right? And that's why it was 16 years before they they started considering Negro Leaguers again because they were like, no, no. The reason we had that whole thing was so we didn't have to go and worry about the Negro Leagues anymore. And of course, they left a bunch of really, uh, you know, deserving people out. Including Buck, but not only Buck. Yeah. And and so all right, but here's the other thing about the Hall of Fame that was really, really cool. Great. So the whole thing was awesome. You had you had Poppy bouncing around, you had Buck O'Neill's spirit there, you had all oh, the Minoso family, beautiful people wandering around. But the most important thing that happened, I think, was I worked out our escape route for stealing the bat. Great. I, I I think that's I think that's the most important part of this. And I, I you wouldn't know this. I've already sent you all of the layouts. Yeah. Well, things, we have but... for for those of you who don't know, if you haven't heard this before, in the uh, in the basement of the Baseball Hall of Fame, there is a... not anymore. Oh, they not moved anymore. it up, huh? They moved it upstairs. Okay. Okay. Well, I see, know. they're onto us. They're on to us. They, they're like, oh, this is going to be better protected up so here. So this is a bat swung by Ted Williams when facing Satchel Paige, when Satchel That's Paige right. finally made it to the majors at age 48 or whatever he was. Right. I think this was actually when he was on the Browns, right. I believe. So it was in the 50s, 52 or 53. So he was probably he was probably then 50 years old or more. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he so was, he was. the story is Williams, uh, Williams was a, a big advocate of Negro Leagues players making the Hall of Fame, used his Hall of Fame speech to actually advocate for it when people told him he shouldn't, which is by yes. far the coolest thing Ted Williams ever did. <laughs> Cooler yes. even than being John Glenn's wingman and and getting shot <laughs> he, getting he, shot he down in a lot Korea, of cool coming back and hitting four hundred for the rest of the year or whatever. But I, in my mind, the coolest thing he did was he was told don't do this and he did it anyway. Right. When he was inducted in '65, he said the Negro Leagues players should. I hope that they. Yeah, I hope there'll be a place in this in yeah. this museum for Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson and all the great. Negro so Leagues he players. was he was extremely aware of the Negro Leagues and revered uh, Satchel Paige specifically, and so he yes. faced Satchel Paige even though Satchel Paige was in his fifties, and uh, Satchel Paige struck him out on three pitches. <laughs> well, he struck him out. Uh, the the best part is like as you talk about it, he struck him out on a fastball. Yeah. Like Satchel was like throwing junk up there, and then and then threw a fastball, and, and, and probably and, like eighty five. And Ted, <laughs> well, Williams, I mean, but but right on the black, yeah. you know that. And and Ted Williams swung through it and missed for strike three, and then got so angry that he, he, he lost, his, lost mind. his mind and he smashed the bat on. I think the railing of the a dugout. Or yeah, something. he went to the dugout and like yeah. was smashing the bat. There there was a quote, wonderful quote from Satchel Page the next day, or that you know in the next day's paper saying. 
I looked over there and I was like, this 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 boy's lost his mind. <laughs> I mean, like, like that was literally what the quote was. Uh, and so, so then he signed the bat because he was aware. No. So, he had he had Satchel, Satchel Page, Page sign the bat. bat. Yes, because yeah. he was aware. Ted Williams is aware of the moment and had Satchel Page sign the bat. So this bat, when we were at the in Cooperstown a year and some and change ago, this bat was in their their archives. I guess they've now moved it to the main arena. Yes, you can there. now see it in the in the. But main, we uh, believe on this yes. podcast, we believe that bat is a Negro Leagues item, a yes. baseball museum item, not a baseball Hall of Fame item. Although it is that too, but we believe yes. it belongs really in the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and we have stated out loud. Yes. On recorded audio, our intention <laughs> to steal it, Ocean's Eleven That's right. style. That's right. And 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 abscond with it to and and place it in the New Leagues Baseball Museum. We believe this is a perfect plan, and that there's no problem with announcing that we're going to do it multiple no, times. No, no, we 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 feel like in fact it's part of our plan. Yeah. To have them think to, to, to they we want them expecting right. us to steal the bat the, because what, what they'll be thinking is there's no way those guys are just going to walk in and grab it and run <laughs> when in fact that's exactly what we're going to do that is our plan so so you when you were there so we have blueprints we have schematics right. we have detailed information about the building about where the wires are about how the to, lasers the cameras the lasers the, lasers, yes. the we yes. have uh, a truckload of equipment. Uh, smoke that we can spray over the in the hallways <laughs> to reveal where the laser tripwires are. That's right. We have uh, night vision goggles. We've yes. got uh, all those. Well, little... we and we've we've already hacked in to the alarm system. Yeah, we're, we've been in the alarm system for months. We're, we, months. And and, yeah. and their cameras and stuff. And we've yes. recorded looped video of nothing <laughs> happening that will feed back to their security monitors while we That's are right. sneaking in and grabbing the bat. We've got right. everything down. The only thing we didn't have was our escape route, and so now you have mapped out our escape. That's route. That's right. So and and it was very tricky to do because they were watching. Like they, they know. Of course, because because again, we have announced multiple we, times that we're going to do this. <laughs> we've told them multiple <laughs> times. So they had like two like I don't know. They were they they had earpieces and they were wearing suits. I I mean I don't know who they were, but I assumed that they were there. They were tailing the you the whole time. They were tailing me the whole time. Yeah. Like even when. Back to the hotel. They were watching me. Uh, it was it was it was a little unnerving. Sure. I'm not going to lie to you. Look, I I know we're going to pull this off, but I'm a little unnerved, right? This is this is this is a tough thing to do. You yeah, know? but again, see, so what we're doing, just so everyone knows, is we're announcing our intention to do it. <laughs> That's right. We're telling them exactly how we're going to do it, and what we're That's counting right. on is them saying, "Oh, these guys are uh, geniuses. They're telling us. They're saying what they're going to do." Which must mean they're not going to do that. Yes, that's when right. in fact we our we we are going to do that, <laughs> and so right. we're going to just do exactly what we say we're going to do, and we're counting on them, at, assuming that we're going to do something else in terms yes. of how well, we go about it. Should we mention? Uh, see, like to me, like we're 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 an open book. We're telling them exactly how yeah. we're going to do it. But I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, we haven't mentioned the gift shop plan. <laughs> I don't even know what the gift shop plan is. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I'm not saying this is what we're going to do, but, you know, I did check in with some of the people there, and there is the possibility of taking the bat, mm -hmm. going up to the gift shop, pretending to buy oh. the bat, and then having it in a, a bag, an actual hall Just of Just walking bag, right out the front door. And walking right out the front door. Well, what should happen is 
I should buy, they have some bats you can buy, some like, uh, they have some game-used bats, I believe, of different players. They also have just like, you know, ceremonial bats or whatever. Sure, ceremonial bats, So you steal the bat from the display right. case. I buy right. a regular bat, and we do yes. the old switcheroo. Oh, you the put, switcheroo! You put that bat in the thing, and I walk out, and they think like, well, there's no problem here. I watch that, I have a receipt. You know what, they stop me at the front door, excuse me, sir. Do you have a receipt for that bat? Of course I do. It's right here. I show right them the here. receipt. They look in the bag. They see a bat. They don't know it's not. They don't know it's the Ted Williams Satchel Page bat. They think it's a so, fifty dollars ceremonial bat that I and bought. And so inside the inside the actual space where they had the old bat, we have like what a blue like Brooks Robinson. We bat? have a bat like that says, says like Yay Brooksy or, or something. No, like it that. says like baseball hall of fame uh 50th anniversary commemorative bat or whatever it's just you know and then and then people are looking at it like oh this is an interesting uh, item yeah. you know they, they hear it, they i would, wonder why they, they chose to display this in this display case or whatever yeah there yeah i like this look it's foolproof that's all i mean look i'm not i don't want to get cocky about it but we're stealing how does, this, how does this not work? I mean, this is like so perfect. It's going to be amazing. And then uh, the only question I have is once we, since they know what we're going to do with it, which is bring it to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City right. and, and right. hand it over to Bob Kendrick. The only question now is what is stopping them from just going and <laughs> taking it back? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The, but see, once we have it in the museum, first of all, we get it in the museum. Here's here's my plan. Here's the plan for okay. this. Big, huge press conference, right? Mm. Big, huge press conference. We have stolen hey, this thing. We have stolen, though. This bat is, belongs here. This is where it is. This is where it should be. And we know that Josh Raywich and the Hall of Fame will try to steal it back. Right. And if they do, we, you, you, we, you guys we, know what to we do. We call upon guys... the citizens of Kansas City to defend this <laughs> We 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 ask the 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 the, the fourth estate to step yeah. up and make sure that injustice never happens. And then we Don't just call think? Josh and we're like, "Good luck, man. There's no way you're getting <laughs> yeah, through." We we've got booby traps everywhere. <laughs> we we uh, that's the other thing oh, we can do. We should just say we have booby traps everywhere. They won't <laughs> we, know. We tell them we've got the whole like like Home Alone yeah. setup yeah. around the bat. If you try to steal this bat. <laughs> A, a frying pan will, will swing down from a, a piece of rope and clunk, clunk you on the head. It clank you, and you'll step on like broken glass. And It'll be horrible. Thumbtacks and marbles, and uh... <laughs> this is—I don't see how it doesn't work. It seems to me it's foolproof. No, I—I—I I, um, I, I think that the more that we talk about it and explain exactly what we're going to do, the greater chance of success we have. So we should just keep exactly. talking about it. We got to keep talking about it. Obviously. All right, we're 45 minutes into the podcast, so it's time to get oh, to our it's, emergency. It's a little later than normal for our emergency. Yeah, we, that, that's probably because it's a little bit of bigger emergency. We also have to get to unofficial nicknames because we can't uh, let this go by without getting back into unofficial nicknames. So, There's a very good chance we will end up not remembering to do unofficial nicknames correct. at the end of this. All right, so the, so you you introduce our our Boston Red Sox emergency. The, okay, um, <clears throat> I've been uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I've been a fan of the team for a long time. Wait, what? And yeah, and um, so they have had a, a very odd season where they started off absolutely terribly. Right. Then it was like they were I think 11 and 19 or something. And yeah. it was like, are they going to pull it together and make this into a, a salvageable season, or are they going to just uh, just fall apart? And you wrote them off. I, wrote I, them I, off. I hadn't you totally did. wrote them off. They were better. There were some signs that they were better than their record indicated. 
among them, they were getting, they were having terrible situational luck. They were hitting a lot of balls on the screws. And uh, like Alex Verdugo started the season with like one of the highest hard hit contact rates of any player in the yes. league. And he was hitting like 138. He was just lining out to guys right and left. So there were a couple sort of encouraging signs. And they also had a bunch of injuries. And Chris Sale was going to come back from injury at some point. And, and um, you know, Devers got off to a great start and was hot all the way through, was having a great year. And yep. there was like, there was some room for hope. And then they, they hit a stretch of like 25 or 30 games where they were playing terrible teams. And it was like, well, this yes. is it. This is like the, the whole season is about these this month. And if they can like claw their way above 500 uh, against these crummy teams, then maybe they have a chance. And they did. They got hot and they, they started pitching better. Destroyed those teams. Yes, they went. I think they went nineteen and six or twenty and five, maybe even over. Yeah, 25. they had the best record over a stretch, of, a pretty good yeah. stretch of time. And they got to a point where they were the in the top seed for the wild card. I think they were seven or eight games over five hundred. They were never going to catch the Yankees because the Yankees are uncatchable. But it didn't matter. They were in pole position to not only make the playoffs but be like the top wild card team, which matters. And in July. They have not only gone five and fifteen, not only do they have a negative seventy something <laughs> run differential, but they have played a style of baseball I can only equate to a an eight U little league team comprised yes. mostly of players whose parents were like, you know what? Our child needs to try a team sport. <laughs> So let's send let let's let's sign up for baseball, baseball for the first time, and the yes. players don't and the kids are wearing like jeans to the first practice. That's right, and they don't know what they're wearing gloves on the wrong. They don't know hand. where which hand to put the glove on exactly. <laughs> right, right. And the first thing that happens is the coach says like let's let's explain the rules of baseball. <laughs> like that's the that is the skill level with which this prof, uh, allegedly professional baseball team has been playing yeah. for the last 20 games. There is a uh, compilation I put on Twitter. I retweeted uh, John Boy, at John Boy, who's a Yankee fan, but also just a, a breaker Hilarious. down yes. of, oh. <laughs> of things that happen in the game in a yes. way that is truly delightful. He put together what I was asking for, openly asking for on Twitter a couple of days ago, which is can someone please put together a compilation of all of the times in the last month that a a... a a hitter has hit the ball straight up into the air and that ball has fallen harmlessly between three Red Sox defenders who are all staring at each other. Now, this is a yeah. thing that happens usually once per year to every team, I would say. That's right. right? That's once right. a year, a guy hits a pop-up. It's usually between the plate and the pitcher's mound. The first baseman rushes in. The pitcher has been taught for years not to try to catch pop flies. The catcher has a bad angle on it. Maybe the third baseman is drifting down too. They all kind of look at each other, and the ball falls six feet from home plate with the first baseman and the catcher staring at each other sadly, right. right? That thing or some version of that thing has happened six times, six <laughs> times in the last month of Red Sox baseball. It has happened in the infield at least three times that I can think of. It has hap It happened in an it, what was ruled an inside the park grand slam oh, against? We, we will be talking. We will be talking. We will about talk that. about in a second. <laughs> there have been uh, pop flies hit to both first base and third base, where either Franchi Cordero playing first or Bobby Dahlbeck playing third kind of milled around and looked up, and then the ball just lands like four feet away from them. 
Um, yep. And it's the same thing every time, right? Because the hitter hits the ball and then the hitter's head sags because it's like, oh, darn it. I hit the ball straight up in the air. And then one second later, that person is standing either on first or second base <laughs> because the professional athlete charged with catching that pop-up just simply didn't do it. It, is, it has happened six times. And then it has also happened that there have been grounders that have just gone under people's gloves or through people's oh, yeah. legs. Jeter Downs playing third, a rookie uh, playing third, uh, fielded a hit, ball hit a guy in the with back. a runner going home from third and threw it just right at his body and it just hit him in the back. There ha- It is, the I would say, and this is not an exaggeration, the worst run of team defense I think I have ever seen by any team in the majors. Don't would do do you, can you think of you said the 20, uh, 2005 Royals yeah of which which is a good comparison now and and the only thing i will say in their defense is Trevor Story gold glove second baseman who was playing great uh defense until he got hurt got hurt Devers right. has gotten hurt um they've had a but Kike Hernandez has been out for months so they have guys playing out of position at yes. on any given night at first base third base and center field and sometimes right field too. They have had, they've put Franchi Cordero who can't field any position, by the way. No. He, they've no. put him at first base and he's made 11 errors, terrible yes. errors. They've put him in left field. He's made like four more errors, but they've had Bobby Dahl back at first, who's a statue and can't move and catch. They put him at third base, wherever they put these guys, the ball finds them. Christian Arroyo, who's also a good defender has been hurt all. They, yep. So they, they have had bad, luck with guys getting hurt but even so balls hit straight up in the air have to become (laughs) outs in a major league baseball situation and they haven't been at an alarming rate and in and what has happened is they've gone five and 15 they've been outscored by 72 runs including being outscored by 50 something runs over three games yes including the 28 to 5 loss to the uh to the blue jays and they have not only fallen out of out of wildcard contention, they essentially, in 20 games, have gone from being a team that was thinking, okay, we need to shore up, so we need to make some trades, trade some prospects, and get a couple key pieces, some bullpen help, probably, ideally, maybe another starter, because they've had a lot of injuries there, too, with Rich yes. Hill going down, and, and maybe, a, maybe a, a defensive replacement in the infield. They've gone from that to a team that I believe, if they're smart, is thinking fire sale. Like, <laughs> get rid of all of these guys. Every single yes. one. Every guy. J.D. Martinez is a free agent at the end of the year. By the way, he's also been hurt. J.D. Martinez is a free agent. Christian Vasquez is a free agent. Who, and he's been having a very good year offensively. Uh, all of all of their pitchers, Nate Evaldi, uh, Michael Waka, all of these guys who th- there was like the, the decent players on the team – if they're within one year of free agency, they should all be being shopped because this team is going exactly nowhere. <laughs> all right. Lots to unpack here. Um, by the way, where where do you stand on the whole de- uh, the whole Rafael Devers? They should uh, give him whatever he wants. <laughs> that's a, That would be your exception. Yes. You, he's you 20, he's 24 years. Well, he's got another couple years of team control still. But, yes. but the fact that he he's... I mean, he's like in the top five in war. Um, oh, he's incredible. He's, he's become, a a, he, he's not a great defensive third baseman, but he's a lot better than he was. Yes. There is absolutely no reason not to make him the cornerstone of the team, especially when Bogarts is probably leaving. 
he's he's very young and extremely good and he kills the Yankees like there's absolutely no reason not to make him the guy who gets the enormous contract yeah no I mean he's he's fantastic he's he's such a good player all right um so so again a lot to unpack here first thing I would say is um you could you could do an entire highlight reel of Franchi Cordero. <laughs> this this is this it is absolutely astonishing. It's amazing. Yeah. Franchi Cordero is oh, look he's when Franchi Cordero gets a hold of one, it goes very very far. It's a right? Willie Mopena situation. Yes, yes, yes. But he's he's one of the worst fielders I've ever he seen. He might be the worst. I, I, and yeah. and I know that that I we're prisoners of the moment and he's made right. 17 errors in the last 6 games <laughs> and I, I I understand what I'm saying when I say this. But I'm not kidding. I think he is the worst defensive player I have ever seen in in the majors. Yeah. Well, he cannot catch. Yeah, he can't catch I mean, that, the ball. Like, yeah, that's correct. That's a significant issue when you're trying to play. And then like I realize like you got to play him somewhere, you're trying to figure it out, you're you're beat up. The idea that Franchi Cordero could play first base, like, who came up with that? I, who, I mean, who they, thought that was a real possibility? Again, the injuries have been a real problem, but this team had an enormous hole at first base last year, which yes. they filled by signing Kyle Schwarber and just telling him, you kind of look like you a first baseman, <laughs> so just play first. And yeah. it, it had mixed results. <clears throat> but the interesting thing going into this year is, why did you not just sign that guy? That guy who has right. 30 home runs this year for <laughs> yeah, the Phillies? Yeah, he's bombing it. Yeah, like, exactly. what, like, you made the investment and just sign, just re-sign him. It's like they, yeah. they let him go and they were right back to where they were last year, which is they had no first baseman. So they, they, no baseman. they put Dahl back there, who's been mostly terrible. They, then they when they, when Devers went down with a hamstring injury, well, now Dahlbeck has to play third, which means somebody's got to play first. They can put Christian Vasquez at first, who's not any good either, because that's not his position. But then they have to have no. Kevin Ploiecki catch, and that's no good. Like, <laughs> that's they, no good. They, this roster, which is a two hundred and twenty million dollar payroll, has enormous holes in it at corner positions, which are the easiest traditionally to fill. Yeah, those are the ones that you're supposed to like. <clears throat> like these, these are incredible athletes playing. Richard Cordero is an incredible athlete. Yeah, uh, and you figure they're they're out there. They've got to be able to like play. It's it is it is mind-boggling to watch Franchi Cordero play. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing. Second thing, we're going to talk about the 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 uh, the uh, uh, inside the park home run because it is Grand it slam. is truly one of the most remarkable Grand Slam. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of the most remarkable things. But the third thing is I do want to talk about those 2005 Royals because because here's the thing that this Red Sox team at the end of the day is like they're 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 not a good team. No. We know that. But they're, that that 2005 Royals team lost 106 games. I mean, they were one of the worst teams in baseball history, and they had. I mean, it was it was nightly. You would watch something like every night. So one night they they had a first baseman named Ken Harvey who actually went to the All Star game, and I don't know how bad or good a fielder Ken Harvey was, but he was he was one of those guys who like disaster was always around him. So like one time he was. Uh, there was a ball hit to the outfield and he was facing home plate to, um, you know, he was going to throw it uh, over. I don't know why he wasn't facing the outfielder to like actually catch the ball, but he's facing home plate and the throw comes in and it's right on line and it looks like it's going to get the runner. And it literally 
hit him in the back. It just hit him in the back. It's it's one of the funniest things that you've ever seen. But then he had another moment where he he was like he got a ground ball and uh and uh there Jason Grimsley was pitching and he threw like I think he was throwing home, I think. I'm not going to get it wrong. I think it was I think it was him and Grimsley and he threw it and he, like Grimsley was literally right next to him and he threw the ball right into Grimsley's face. And it like almost looked like he punched him with the ball because they were so close together. So there was that classic. They had a, a guy named Desi Relaford who once was like standing on first base and they threw over and he stood there. And then you could see him like kind of toppling over, like, like the momentum of going back into the bag. And he kind of was like slowly. And then he just falls off the base and they tag him for the out. They had two outfielders, the, the one I've written about many times, two outfielders closing in on a fly ball. Either one of them look at each other. They start running into the dugout. The ball lands behind them. That was a great one. They had one where uh, they had a center fielder climb the fence uh, to try to steal a home run, and the ball bounced on the warning track in front of him and then bounced over his head. So they've had so many wonderful things. But I got to say... Like, that was a bad team. Yeah. That's what bad teams do. This Red Sox thing kind of came out of nowhere. They were, uh, I just looked, they were as much as 12 games over 500. They were, they were like, pretty good shape. They were one of the better teams in the American League. Yeah, they had and the then, third best run differential in the American League at one point, behind only the Yankees and the Astros. And the Astros. Yeah. And then suddenly... Like, just it, like a they... complete collapse. <laughs> collapse. They, there was it's... a play the other night. It's in that uh, in the compilation that that at John Boy put together. That yes. was the truly, truly just like you just you're. It's just deflating. Where Hirokazu Sawamura, who's a, a reliever, has been at times pretty good and at times pretty bad for them. Sort of a middle of the road reliever. There's a right. ball, a little nubber hit to his right. He kind of goes for it realizes he can't get it and breaks for the bag. First baseman picks it up and underhands it to him, and he catches it and then turns around and realizes he's just run like 20 feet past the bag. <laughs> like, his line to the bag was not 20 feet, but he just, like, ran to a place where that wasn't helpful. There was, there was no bag there. <laughs> and then he kind no. of awkwardly tried to stop and reach his foot back, and it was too late. And it's like these these plays that are like, again, it's like, you would if you were a high school baseball coach and you saw yes. your team do these things, you'd be like, "Oh, for God's sake! Like, guys, I'd quit. Guys, we we <laughs> practice this. Like, what are you doing?" And it's not just that they're a major league team and they're doing this; it's that they are doing it every night, multiple times per night, like multiple <laughs> instances of pop flies and grounders that are just thrown away, and guys hitting base runners in the back with their with throws to bases. And pitchers not covering first, and and then it's, the 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 true piece de resistance was the twenty eight to five loss to the Blue yeah. Jays. So just to set the scene, they had played the Yankees uh, in a in a whatever it was a three or four game series, and the last two games of that they stole one of the games. They wanted yes. in extra innings, and it was like okay, like oh, here we go. Maybe this is the beginning of something. Then they lose, I think thirteen to one. 13 to 2 and maybe I don't know 12 to 1 or something like they just get absolutely annihilated like double digit run losses in back to back games yes. against the Yankees at home and just Aaron Judge is just hitting home runs right and left and and so yep. is uh, Matt Carpenter and so is is every Tor <laughs> Gliber Torres and and 
And yeah, and, no, they had like Paul. They brought Paul O'Neill out of retirement. He had <laughs> big. Run. Bernie mean, was... Williams was three for four in one of the games, I think. So it was really weird. So and that pretty much ended their season. And they go, they now have a game. They open a series against the Blue Jays at home, and they lose the game twenty eight to five. Right, and it in- uh, with a comeback because it was t- it was they were twenty seven to three. They were down twenty. Yeah, they to outscored three. them two to one, I think, in the last three <laughs> innings. But it inc- so the bases are loaded. Right, and bases are loaded. Jaron Duran. So Jaron Duran yes. was a fairly highly rated prospect in their system for a number of years. Right, and he part. It's mostly based on his plus speed. He's a he's a very very fast runner, and yes. he was sort of profiled as a as a leadoff hitter kind of corner outfielder type guy who could could get on base and and uh, and just steal bases and stuff like that and he it's never quite all come together he was like the 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 profile that you the guy you were hoping he would become was like Jacoby Ellsbury early in Ellsbury's career before he yes. went to the Yankees and everything fell apart and it's never quite come together and he's now like 25 26 so he's a little old for like a guy who's finally breaking into the majors he came up last year and played a little bit and there were some exciting moments he hit a triple and as one of his first games and people were excited about the speed yes yep. he has essentially he's now like an untradeable asset he's now he's he's so he has not hit at all and he has proven in multiple occasions that he can't field there there was a a ball he was playing center field uh, like a month ago and there was a ball hit into the outfield into like right center and he ran as fast as he could to a spot that the ball was not heading toward at all, tried to course correct to come in on the ball, which was going to land in front of him, and just like tripped over himself and like fell on his face as the ball landed (laughs) eight feet harmlessly in front of him. And it was like, oh boy, this is not... This this is not good. Reminded me a little bit of like when when the Yankees were trying to make Clint Frazier work out for them in the outfield. And he just, he just is, it's not working. So... He's playing center field again because of injuries. Kike Hernandez is is has been out for forever. They're very yes. very thin at a bunch of positions. So he's playing center field, and the ball gets hit straight up in the air. I mean, fairly deep, but up in the air, like very Raymel high. Raymel Tapia. Raymel Tapia. Yeah, Tapia. Yeah. yeah. It, and he does the thing that all of these hitters have done over the last twenty games, which is his head sags of like, ah, yes. shoot, I didn't, yeah, he's like, oh, did not do God, a good job, get, and. Didn't get it. You cut to center field, and Jaron Duran is like sort of casually, like kind of walking toward home plate. Like it's very confusing what's happening. He's just sort of it's like very confusing. He's walking. He's, he's sort of meandering. He's, he's sort of walking. He clearly does not know where the ball. No, is. Like, that like, becomes like clear. Yes, he's. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I would describe it as like a an unconcerned saunter, is what he's doing <laughs> well, as he. Well, and and. Like, look, there. We have an understanding in baseball. All right, this is a pure understanding. You don't know where the ball is. You've got to make that frantic <laughs> arms to your side. Where, where is it? I can't it? see like, it. I don't. I never I picked it up. Right. It. And right. And he's not doing that. And this, he's like, kind of. No, he's like, kind of like. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I see it. Maybe I don't. <laughs> and then in a in one of the most comedically perfect visuals of all time. The ball lands not just behind him, but like oh. fifty feet behind him. Oh yeah, no, it's it's on the warning track. It is. He's like so <laughs> far behind him that it is comical. You can just barely see the ball in the. It's like a Simpsons joke. Like you can yes. just see the ball like in the extreme distance. He then turns around, turns around, yes. sees the ball, and just kind of stands there. 
He doesn't want he does walk or do anything no. for the ball. He kind of looks at it and goes, and and like the thought that had to be going in his mind seemed to be based on his response, huh? Yeah, that looks like the ball. Yeah, like that like oh like there it that is. That was there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm glad. And meanwhile, the 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 your left and, and right fielder. Are running full speed to try to get the ball. They've got to. They've got to go like a million miles to get to it, and he doesn't make. It kind of like starts jogging toward it, doesn't he? Like at some point. He, in the, in, so in the so thing. what happens? I'm watching it now. So he's looking up in the air, and his right hand is a little bit out away from his hip. Like uh, I don't know. I don't see it. So the ball <laughs> lands on the warning track, uh, right? And he he turns around, and the camera pulls back. To include the shot of the ball. By the way, at this point, it's six nothing. And by the way, there are two outs. There are two. That's outs. the key They're to outs. this. It, there are yes. two outs. I guess he sort of has his arm out. Like, a little maybe. bit. I don't see so it. So he like, turns maybe. around and he sees the ball, and the ball is bouncing, boing to boing to boing to boing. Oh my god! He ne- he never makes any effort to get the ball. So he, I I would say he's probably thirty feet from the ball, maybe yes. when it lands. Yes. He's also, yes. I will remind you, extremely fast. He's a very fast runner. <laughs> now, fa- yes. what's interesting about this shot is that he later... So Alex Verdugo is playing left field and is charging head-on toward the ball, right? right? And he later, Duran later said that he didn't run for the ball because he saw Verdugo coming, charging in from left, and he didn't want to, like, get in his way or whatever. So... I, I suppose that we should take him at his word. However, in the shot, in the wide shot of that you see of Duran just sort of turning around and looking at the ball that's boing-dee, 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 <laughs> bouncing around behind him, Verdugo's not in the shot. It's not like Verdugo, he is, at the moment that he turned around and saw the ball, he was absolutely closer to the ball than wherever Alex Verdugo was. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. I don't believe that it is the case that he could not have gotten to the ball before Verdugo. Now, Verdugo has a better arm, and so it's probably a good thing that he just let Verdugo, it didn't matter. I, I don't know. I, to me, that this sounds an awful lot like Roger Clemens. I thought it was the ball. Yeah. You know, excuse I, I, Because here's the thing. There is a moment, and, and I'm, I'm watching this, you know, I'm, I'm fast-forwarding, you know, rewinding, fast-forwarding. So he, he doesn't – it's not that he doesn't, like, go and run all the way to the ball. Okay, whatever. He doesn't even make a move for the ball. I've never seen anything quite like that. He doesn't, he just takes a couple of steps. But if you watch it really closely, before they cut back to, to, to Tapia, uh, Tapia, um, rounding second, running, you know, yeah. rounding second, it looks like he's turning around, like he's resetting up already for the rest of the inning. Yeah. He looks, it looks like he's like, okay, well, that's done. I can't do anything about it. And he's turning toward home plate. Like almost to be like, okay, well, the you know now the next batter is going to come up. I might as well, I might as well get situated for the next batter. Yeah. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever it's seen. It's so in my life. weird. It's so weird. And so a uh, six nothing game became ten nothing, and the game was over, and they ended up losing twenty eight to five. And yeah. th- this is not really about whether or not they would have won that game. It's about no. this virus that has infected the oh. team and yeah. made it. There's another play in that compilation. It's the top of the fifth. And the Yankees are up 6-3 over the Red Sox. Uh, there's one out. There's a runner on first. Matt Carpenter hits a little dribbler out in front of the plate. Christian Vasquez runs up and picks it up, 
And when he picks it up, he's absolutely got him at first. Like it's, oh, it's yeah. easy. Yeah. And by the way, Carpenter is eight feet inside the line. <laughs> so like if the ball hits him, he's going to be called out anyway. Right. And Vasquez right. rears back and throw and throws the ball to first, except that he doesn't because the ball just falls out of his hand and lands <laughs> on the ground. Falls out of his hand. <laughs> And then the next play, yeah. by the way, is a one nothing Red Sox lead in the top of the fourth with two outs. And again, Matt Carpenter hits the ball straight up in the air, and Bobby Dahlbeck, playing third, runs out and looks up in the air and, and has his arms up in the futile, I don't know where it is, I don't know where it is, I don't know where it is. And then he seems to see it, and he breaks toward the foul line, and then the ball lands in the other direction. <laughs> I know. Like I was wondering, like, what did he see? Like, he, like, there's a moment where he's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. And then he goes, oh, it's over here. And then it's the exact opposite place. I mean, it is truly, it is a, it is a shocking development. Of all the ways I saw this season going, a, 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 it's like a, a virus that infects their brains and makes them forget how to play baseball was not what I imagined was going to happen. No, no, it really is like um, they made the, the, the deal with the devil to win the World Series. And then <laughs> yeah. they're like, okay, you'll, you know, in order to sort of smooth it over, I, I'm not going to take away all of your powers until, I don't know, mid-2022, somewhere in, somewhere in, but I'm not going to tell you when, but at some point I'm going to take away all of your ability to play baseball and just, and 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 so it goes. It's it's stunning, but I got to tell you that that inside the park home run is is like I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but you know I'm writing a book. I don't know if I told you this. I, it's, it's, hold, uh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Since when? First of all, I know. Well, I, I've been working on it quietly for a couple of months, a few months. Just this is to... outrageous. This is outrageous I that I find out this way in the in, in the in, an hour and twelve minutes into a into a podcast <laughs> that we do. This is when you decide to tell me. Well, I look. I've, I've been trying. I've been wanting to tell you, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I, I wanted to be able to, to be able to say it. Like, hey, I've already got some stuff done, so I, I'm not just telling you before it's like ready so, to go. Okay, you know what I mean? back up for a second. When did you decide to write your first book? This is. I assume book. this is your first book. It's. It's not. <laughs> it's not my first book. I, I, I did forget to mention that part to, to you, but you know. But look. The first six books are not that important. It's this. This book is the one that matters. That, that matters, <laughs> and it's a countdown of the greatest hundred moments of baseball history. And and I cannot really put this moment in there. I I, I mean I could, of course, my book and do whatever I want. Um, but it is honestly one of like if if you're if you're not a Red Sox fan or even if you are, it is one of the funniest weirdest things that has ever happened in baseball history. It is truly it was truly one of the weirdest and most yeah. depressing moments of my <laughs> professional baseball watching life. It is it it's not an exaggeration. Look, they, the team wasn't going anywhere anyway. No. I will remind everyone listening to this that when we did our our 99.4% accurate baseball preview at the beginning of the year, That's right. I said as a Red Sox fan, this team isn't any good. They're maybe right. going to win 85 games and maybe have be in contention for the second or third wild card spot at the end of the year. Maybe. But this is not a team like last year that somehow everything broke right. Everybody played maximally well. They won 95 games or whatever it was. They sneak. They they beat the Yankees in the playoffs. Like that is not going to happen this year. I knew that wasn't going to happen no. this year. It was not right. a, a possibility. They just aren't. The roster isn't that good, and so this is not. It's not like I. It's not accurate to say that 
that that moment ended the Red Sox season because the season probably ended a week earlier or two weeks earlier. But it felt when watching it like that ended the Red Sox season. It felt like that was the kind of like death knell for the for the all of the hopes that anybody might still have left that the Red Sox were going to do anything in the in the postseason this year or even get to the postseason. Because who's ever seen anything like it? It's the weirdest, the weirdest. And it is and it is a perfect storm. It is great that the bases were loaded, so it ends up being a grand slam. By the way, so that's a grand slam? Like, that, like, like, like in, the, in, in the books, <laughs> that will go down as a home run Correct. and a grand slam. Uh, that's it's ridiculous. wild. And what, that, that, the, the little extra kick, the little extra jalapeno kick of misery is that especially against all the Yankees players like Matt Carpenter got a single on that ball like they so many Yankees increased their batting averages yes they did because balls straight balls that went straight up in the air landed between the pitcher and the catcher or grounders just like were missed in a way that they were like oh give him a hit on that and that that. like that alone is enough to drive me crazy Um, And by the way, just as long as we're wrapping up this Boston sports emergency, there's a second Boston sports emergency, which I want to get your Uh quick take on, which is the rumors are now floating around that the Celtics are putting together a trade package for Kevin Durant that includes Jalen Brown and who knows what else. Now, it's Monday, 1230. This leaked this morning. Woj tweeted about this like at two in the morning, which is the weirdest thing you could possibly do. I I have a theory about this. Oh, interesting. Yeah, my my theory because apparently the reports are this offer was made a long time ago. That this is not right. like it's not like now it's obviously possible that they made the offer a long time ago. The Nets didn't engage while they explored other better options, and now they are engaging, and so that's why it's getting reported. Who knows? Yes. My theory here is this is the Nets leaking this that this is that the Nets are pressuring some team I don't know who. Phoenix to do some kind of complicated sign and trade or, or, uh, or I don't know, New Orleans to give them Zion or something crazy. Um, yeah. And that they're leaking this because they're trying to put pressure or get leverage with some other team. Okay. But, but let's just, let's take it at its word and okay. say, okay, Jalen Brown probably uh, to make the money work you're adding in Marcus Smart um, probably. Or, probably Marcus so, or, you know, Grant Williams doesn't make that much money. But it's it's at le- let's say it's at least Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, three number one picks and uh, two pick swaps or whatever, however they do all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, what are your what do you think? Is this is this should should the Celtics be doing this as a team that was two wins from the NBA finals? Um, so so I have a very strong opinion about this, and that is. Uh, absolutely not. Really? That, that, that I, 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 here's the thing. I fully appreciate how great Kevin Durant is. I fully appreciate that he's one of the greatest players in NBA history, that he is a unique talent. Uh, even now, now how old is, is Durant 34. Now? Thir- 34. I think okay. about so, to turn 35. Okay. So, you know, look, he's still, he's still great. Assuming he can stay healthy. Just, it's, which Sorry, is an he's thirty-three, by the way. about to turn thirty-four. Okay, so so health is an issue and all this, but he, here's the thing, I, and and I don't want this to sound in any way as a knock on Durant because I, I, I've just said all those things. I, I think they are a much better team without Durant than they are with him. Really? I just think well with those guys. Like, look, that Celtics team to me, 
Uh, they play incredible. They know who they are. All right, so so you and I have talked about this. I am a huge, huge proponent to this, to, to, often to my detriment. People will, will say I'm wrong and make fun of me for, for, for believing this. I believe teams that have a, a sense of who they are, like a character, are, end up being the best teams. I like, like it's not always the case, but like if, if you have a clear vision of the kind of team you are, I think that's, I think that's why pop was, is maybe the greatest coach in NBA history. Like that's, that's that San Antonio team understood exactly who they were, how they won, what they needed to do to win night after night after night. And that Celtics team had that to me. Now, were they good enough to beat, Golden State at the end of the day, not quite, but that Golden State team is ridiculous and Steph Curry is a god and whatever. Does that team come closer to beating Golden State if they if they don't have Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and instead have Durant? Absolutely not. Not in my mind they don't because you have Durant on that team and it's a different, the whole thing is different. Now it's about what? Getting the ball to Durant. Durant's the, is the, everything is built around him. Sure, you're still a very good defensive team, but that's not really what you're about. You're more about Durant, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm totally down on training for Durant if you're an established, good team the way the Celtics are. I mean, if New Orleans wanted to do it, I'm not giving up. Uh, uh, Zion or whatever, but if if like New Orleans wanted to do it, was it or, the, or the, the rumor was that it was Brandon Ingram would be the centerpiece, and then there would be you know any number of seven other guys and fifteen right. draft choices or whatever. Yeah, and then it's then it's interesting to me. Like if you're a team that's like, look, we're not breaking through here until we get a player, you know, of, of the caliber. Okay, totally for that. I get that, but to me, the top 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 teams like the Celtics, especially the Celtics, because it was, you know, look, I don't like the Celtics. I, I didn't, I, I didn't grow up in Boston. I don't like them, but I enjoyed their run because I thought this is a team that, that knows exactly what they need to do to win. They, they don't always play the most thrilling brand of basketball, but they, they lock down on defense like crazy. They know where their offensive guys are. And, and I just think that that's, I think that's how you win in the NBA. And, and I don't think, and by the way, I, I want this to lead to another question for you, which is we've just seen that it blew up on the Nets, right? The whole idea of what the Nets did blew up completely. Um, Philadelphia, you know, went, went out there and tried to, to build sort of their own super team that has not so far paid off. We'll see where that goes. The Lakers, Clearly, that 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 team is is on the serious decline. LeBron's going to want out at some point. Are we going to get to a point where this is not going to be as much of a star run league as it has been? No, I'm wondering about no. that. <laughs> you you think it'll still be about like one or two guys? Yeah, I think I think I I think that ship has sailed. I think that that now. The players uh, have so much power. I mean, so he, so. Well, they should. I'm all for that. But let, let me let me answer yeah. that by getting into why I think the Celtics potentially should would be smart to make a deal. Okay. Okay. And and it has to do with the very intricate and complicated rules about contracts in the NBA. So yes. Jalen Brown was on his rookie deal, and he he right. was averaging. He was like a sixth man basically. He might have been a starter. 
he was averaging like 13 or 14 points a game, but they really believed in him and were like, this guy's going to be great. And so they extended him at like yep. 22 million a year or 25. It was a sub max deal, right? For yes. a, And he has two more years, I believe, left on that deal. Because his last extension was not a max extension, they cannot offer him a max extension now. You can only offer max extensions to people oh, who have previously signed a max extension or are, or are available for a max extension for the first time. Why? If you sign him to a sub-max deal, you can only increase his salary something like 120% or something like that from what it was. Why? Which means, in all likelihood, he's going to leave. He's yeah. probably yeah. gone because he can— yeah, there, two years. There have been some rumors of some friction of, with him within the organization and different players already— who knows whether right. those are real or not? There's kind of friction everywhere, right? He see they have they have a they hired a great coach. They have a great team. They made the NBA Finals. Maybe he would that would go away, and he would want to stay with the team. But the fact is, is that there is a significantly greater amount of money he would be able to make somewhere else. Right. Which means if you're now looking at this as our here's our core, we have uh, you know, and, and they have made two great moves. They picked up, they they got Malcolm Brogdon, who was a ball handling guard, which is what they yes. desperately needed, who can also score. He's hurt a lot, but like if he's healthy, he's a massive upgrade. And they now have yes. four playable guards, at least in the regular season, because they have Brogdon, Smart, Derek White, and Peyton Pritchard. So in the regular season, they have a full rotation of backcourt that is serviceable yeah. at, at least and, yep. and, and very, very good at best. And, and they also got uh, Gallinari, who their biggest problem against Golden State was when when their start when Tatum and Brown were out of the game, they didn't have any wings who could score. They just had no scoring options. Like at they all. It, they needed Grant Williams to be hitting threes, and he wasn't at all. They needed right. they desperately needed um, some help, just just shooting. They just needed shooting help, and they didn't have any. So those two guys alone make this team already better than it was last year. But if you're looking down the road and you're looking at long-term success and you can swap out two years of Jalen Brown if you think he's going to leave for two years of Kevin Durant, even if you then have to also trade some of the guys who are going to be in your rotation, there's a very good chance, I think, that trading for Durant makes them, I mean, besides just the fact that he's Kevin Durant, Right. sets them up more as like a team that is looking down the road and saying like, we don't want to just have a, a two or three year run of relevancy. We want to be the Warriors. We want to be relevant for years and years and years and years. And as Durant, if they got Durant, as his contract is coming to an end, he might be able to also draw guys in who want to play with him, think it would be help them try to win a championship. Like I if you think that that Brown is done two years from now because of his contract yeah. situation, I think you have to try to make the deal. The problem is you either, and uh, Bill Simmons said this to me uh, when I was talking about this with him recently, you either make the deal right now or you right now come out and say you're not doing it because the last thing in the world you need is a guy who already <laughs> had some friction within the organization yes. spending yes. two months in limbo where he doesn't know whether he's going to be dumped. Right. No, no, that's, that is clearly the worst case scenario. Yeah. Look, I see that point. I, I was not as aware of the, of the situation with Jalen Brown and contract. I look, I think, I think Marcus Smart is a tremendous player and, and not that easily replaceable. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I can, I can certainly see the argument. I, to me, I've, if I'm the Celtics, I'm trying to keep 
that team together with small upgrades uh, as many places as you can and not completely reinventing the team, which is what I think you were doing if you make that deal. Now, he's Kevin Durant, and the, it might be the one shot for the Celtics to win the, a championship. So so I can't, yeah. I can't argue at that point. I like the way the team is going, and I would like to just sort of see them continue to go that way. But I... He's sure, he's he's extremely good. He's Kevin at Durant. <laughs> he's he seems pretty decent at the game of basketball. So all right. So yeah. So that that's... is that is the Boston sports emergency. Let's really yes. quickly let's get yes. it. We have to get the baseball season is more than half over. We have to get <laughs> through the unofficial nicknames by the end of the year. Yes. So we are done with the National League. We have we're right? done. We've had a bunch of people send us uh, um, different ideas about the National League people. Those the, the choices have been closed. Made. We're closed. We're, we're out. That we're closed. We're closed. So so we're uh, back. So we, should now we run into, over it again, or do we not need to run over it again? We can run them over again so, one more time. We can tell people exactly what this is. Okay. So for the National League West, did we go with the fog and the smog for San Francisco and LA? We did. We did end up going with the fog and the smog. Okay. Uh, the, which is which is yeah. Right, which okay. I like. Padres are the Friars, right? Yes. The uh, Rockies are we are that's our least confident one, right? But we went with the altitude. We went with the altitude, which I think is altitude, cool. Yeah. Uh, yep. The Arizona is the snakes. The snakes, and we did not decide to go big time with the rattlers. Right. We decided snakes. to stick with the snakes. Yeah. Milwaukee's right. the Brew Crew. St. Louis is the Redbirds. Yep. Cincinnati's the Chili Singular. Uh, yes. Chicago is the Ivy. Is that what we did? I think we ended up with the Ivy again. People don't love it. They're, they've been they've been hitting us with all sorts baby of baby bears and the baby bears, lovable losers, Northsiders, yeah, right, Northsiders, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh we're, we're is the Bucks. Yep. Uh, Washington is the Feds, right? Washington is the Feds, which is good. Uh, yep. Miami's the Fish. The Mets yep. are the Amazons or the Let's Goes. Yep. Philly is the Fightins. Phillies are the Fightins. And Atlanta is the Atlanta's hammers, the Hammers, right? hammers yep all right and those are your unofficial nicknames if you have a friend coming to town and you live in one of those towns and they say hey well you want to go to the ball game you say to them you want to go to one of the ball the ball game tonight the uh the the amazons are in town yeah or come on let's go let's go see uh let's go see the Redbirds play the smog it'll be fun yeah exactly it'll be fun all right. right, so there we American go. American League. Now, where, where I forget already which division we, we went said to we were going to start in the American League West, and we've had a bunch of people send us some suggestions, particularly for Seattle, but I do not remember any of them. <laughs> I did not write them down. At some point, I probably should, but I've been, uh, I've been, you know, I've been, you were been you were busy being name checked by Minnie Minoso's family at the Hall of Fame. <laughs> exactly. No one, no one's going to fault you for this. Okay, the only it, team in the AL West that has an unofficial nickname is the Angels, who are the Halos. That is settled. The Halos and there and that is done. And like there are unofficial nicknames because somebody might ask, well, wait a minute. The Houston's already the Strohs and and uh, Seattle's already the M's. And no, it's not how it works. No. You cannot shorten the name in order to get your unofficial nickname. That's not that's not how this works. All right. So I have a, I have two nominations for the Oakland A's. Okay. Uh and you're gonna re- you're gonna uh be opposed Reject to both them. of them. <laughs> The first one is the beans after Billy Bean. Oh, the beans. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Be- because he, I associate that entire franchise with him and him alone. Okay. So why aren't the the money balls? Okay. The money balls. I mean, they're hardly money go. ball team anymore, but. 
and then the other one, and this is this is not good, but to me, it's what I think of when I think of the Oakland A's and specifically their stadium. Yes. The concrete. <laughs> Because that stadium is a nightmare of like it's nineteen a nightmare. on top of a nightmare. Just a, uh, it's just slabs of concrete that's leaking water from unknown pipes, and is collapsing and cracking and falling apart. And it's it's you know, not a good unofficial nickname because it doesn't actually indicate. No one, no, no one would know what you're talking about. But that and is. You what would I think hope about. that at some point they'll get a new stadium too. You would hope so that would it would they would lose that. Um, by the way, in the Oakland Stadium, in that stadium. I have both been the hottest and the coldest that I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> I went to see uh, my buddy and I, Nate, went to see Brandon McCarthy uh, pitch in a game there uh, years, yes. decades ago now. And okay. I had never been to the stadium before. And I, uh, he, I uh, sorry, he was supposed to pitch, and then I think he got bumped or, or had pitched the day before. We got our day wrong. Something happened. So I was texting with him, uh, not with him. He wasn't texting back, but I was texting him during the game. And I was like, I literally cannot believe this stadium. When you walk into the stadium, the feeling you have is what I imagine is the feeling that people have in Mad, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome when when the crowd is chanting, two go in, one comes out. It, it And then I said, my next comment was, it feels like a place where Kim Jong-un would do a military exercise in North Korea. And then my final comment was that uh, that it, it felt like... Um, a place where uh, if you needed to do a movie about a post-apocalyptic, uh, like zombie apocalypse, you would say, right. where can we, what is the bleakest place we can imagine in the world where we could shoot this big scene? Oh, we should just go to the Oakland A's stadium. Like that, there's no the, way. The great thing is you, you would literally have to do nothing. Yeah. Like the, no like, production like design required. Design. That's right. No production design. Just, just go there where, however it is right now is, is how it should look. <laughs> you, you could be the middle of the fourth inning and it would still be perfect. For, it for, is a, for a, a shocking, zombie apocalypse. A shocking fan experience. And then, by the way, uh, this is back, this is how long ago it was. I wasn't a vegetarian yet. And my we went to get some food and I bought a, a sausage. And okay. um, that night, my friend and I flew from there to Vegas and spent the night in Vegas and had a, a nice time, walked around and looked at, at the sights in Vegas. And in the middle of the night, I woke up at two in the morning with the worst stomach pain I've ever had and had gotten food poisoning <laughs> from the sausage that I ate from the Oakland A's stadium. And had, like, the doctor the way, at the casino had to come and like give me a, like an anti-nausea <laughs> pill. By the way, I, I, I feel really terrible that you went through that. However... What were you thinking? I know. I mean, what, oh, believe me. <laughs> but the funny thing was, my I think my son, it must have been 13 years ago or so, because my son was very young. And I was like, I will finally, for the first time in years now, have a good night's sleep. That was what I was really looking forward to. <laughs> Not even the ball game was just like, I'm going to sleep in a hotel room in Las Vegas with those blackout shades. And I'm going to get, a, I'm going to sleep for like 10 hours and it's going to be perfect. And the thing that ruined my one night of, of good sleep with an infant child was food from the Oakland A's Coliseum. <laughs> there, that feeling, you know, there's a very famous story about, I don't think that maybe it was Ben Hogan. It was one of the one of the great golfers of all time. And they went to St. Andrews. They were like taking a train by St. Andrews. And they looked out at St. Andrews, you know, which is the home of golf and whatever. And, and he apparently said, Wow, it looks like there used to be a golf course here. 
you know, because because <laughs> St. Andrews is so you know so yellow and, and and it's yellow and weird, and it just looks like a public park and whatever. Um, when you walked off the Bart and headed, I don't know if you took the Bart over there, but you walk you walk off the Bart and you walk up to it, and it's like this weird concrete thing where you walk over a bridge where there's like this weird metal overhang yeah. over the thing and you walk up to it that's the feeling it's like wow they they used to play baseball here i guess like, like you they, feel they, like they, you are going into a prison it's the only it's the only <laughs> analogy it's what i'm saying it feels like mad max it's like a, it's like a a post apocalyptic yeah. wasteland prison is, is, prison. is where they play baseball so do you have any yeah. nominations for the a's well, I like Moneyball. I like the Moneyballs. Is know, there something with rolly fingers, you know, or, or like the mustaches, mustaches or something? The mustaches, but but if, but did they really do other mustaches? Plus, that's so long ago. Yeah. Like you know, it feels the yeah. I I'm not. All right, we're gonna have to open it up, I guess, to people because I'm not in love with any of no. that. No, I don't think we have. Several any. people sent a bunch of things about the Mariners, all of them with sort of nautical themes, sure. uh, which is fine. Maybe that maybe one of those work. For the Mariners, although why can't we do something Seattle-like? I mean, you know, the needles, isn't there, the, the needles, the grunge, the oh, the grunge you know, is like, interesting. The grunge, hey, the grunge. How is about in the town. flannel? The flannel, the flannels in town. Yeah, I think that's that's that would be fun. Um, what are we gonna do with the Rangers? Like, I don't know. Like, they don't like what's. What's there? Like, what's you know? That's I mean, there there are some some very good Ranger fans who I'm sure we'll hear from who will be able to tell us something. But it's almost, it's like I don't know. That's a franchise that just has so, so little, little identity. Identity, and it's not even in Dallas. It's like sort of. It's like in neither Dallas or Fort Worth, and so you know, you can't really even pull off of that. And and as soon as the Cowboys start practicing, nobody cares. They're one of the it's only just... teams that has never won a World Series, right? It's the, it's the Rangers, the Mariners. Brewers. Brewers. Yeah. Is that it? Uh, uh, let's Tampa. see. Tampa. Mets won it. Tampa, but Tampa's been. Um, well, the Rangers have been twice now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Padres. Milwaukee. Padres have never won. Padres have never won. San Diego's never won anything. And the Rockies. The AFL. Rockies have never won. Rockies have never won. Yeah, there are a few teams actually. Yeah. The Super Bowl. So, like, how many teams have not been to a Super Bowl? It's, it's just the Browns and Lions, isn't it? Uh, oh, Jaguars. Jaguars have, not been. have never been. Yeah, but they've been to the AFC Championship game like four times. It's wild. Four times, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is really weird, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, all right. So, all right, everyone's then, mission, if you're listening to this, your mission is to pitch ideas for the A's and the Mariners. Yep. Let's get let's A's get and A's Mariners. and Mariners. We'll just get pitches. those two. All right, so we'll worry about the Rangers later. Yeah. yeah. Hey, A's and Mariners. So, all right, here we go. This is it's only taken us an hour thirty seven to, to do. Well, this we couldn't so get to the emergency until minute forty three. It really slows us down. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is, that'll that will always push us back. All right, time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing. Sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. And uh, I will let you go first. 
I have uh, a, a poop dog dog poop bag <laughs> problem. Okay. Which is <clears throat> you're, you're, you they have devices that you can attach to leashes that where you poop bag holders that you can attach to the leash so that every time you get the leash on the dog, your poop bags are right there waiting for you, right? Right, sure. All of them are bad and they all break and they all fall off the leash and it's, uh, <laughs> yes. it's infuriating. So we just stopped using them. There, we've got seven broken ones. Um, and so now we just have these poop bags that are just in rolls and we have to bring them with us uh, where every time we walk every time and walk we can dog, never right? find them. Like we put the rolls in where we think we'll remember where we put them and then we never <laughs> find them. And, uh, and I, I feel like this is a, this is a problem that has a solution, right? Like okay. w- the way that you, um, the way that like, uh, like 10 years ago, I remember thinking like, how is it possible that cell phone calls still drop? Like how, uh, like, how are we, right. In a, like, right. shouldn't we have solved this problem? And by the way, it still happens today. There's still like, there's a dead zone yes. in my house I can't walk through. And I just cannot wow. believe that we're still here in 2022. Uh, yes. And I feel like this is a much easier problem that should also have a solution, which is like, how do you, how do you like, someone needs to invent an actual device that actually attaches to a leash that doesn't break, that functions properly, that holds poop bags for dogs that, that yes. I can buy, and I've tried a bunch of them. So this is a call for help. If anyone out there has a product that they really legitimately think is the right product for this uh, yes. to help me, like uh, I, I don't look at replies on, uh, I've turned replies off on Twitter, so you can't tweet. Tweet at yes. Joe. <laughs> Everybody yeah. tweet Joe. Tweet at me your poop bag your solutions poop bag for Mike. carrying case solutions, or, or if there's some other method that you use that just allows you to easily access. Because what happens now is we put the harnesses on, we put the leashes on, and then we realize we don't have the bags and we have to walk through the house and the dogs get restless and annoyed. And I, and yes. I can never find them and it's driving me up the wall. <laughs> All right, so so yeah, reach out. This is a very, this is a crucial point because we have them right outside. We have a freezer in our garage and we have the the, the poop bags right on the freezer in the in the garage. Super easy to find. Uh, but it is a big pain. Yeah. It, it, it would we be don't have a, just... an obvious place right near the front door to door put them. To be yeah. able to put the poop bags. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. By the way, uh, this is not mine because we I believe we've already done this. But you want to talk about things that I cannot believe in today's world we haven't fixed. Last night, I, I believe this has been a one last meaningless thing. Last night, three in the morning... Stupid smoke, smoke alarm. alarm starts chirping. Okay, they have fixed this. There are smoke alarms you can get that are wired through your uh, that are hardwired, so they don't require batteries, yeah. and uh, and that also have a like an app that will tell you simply which you, one it is. When, when, yeah, which one it is, and, and and that it's that it needs a backup battery or whatever. But you that is wow. a fixed problem. I no longer have any chirping. I I replaced wow. all of them. Yeah. But you did this through your alarm system, or yeah. did you do this through? Yeah. Who, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want right, so to give them. I don't want to give this company a free uh, advertisement because if if you look, if you want to advertise on on the podcast, you podcast. You know what it'll cost. You know what it'll cost you. It's like I mean a fortune. It's like seven hundred thousand dollars for a thirty second ad or something like that. Thirty second yeah. ad. It's well, we remember we went up. Uh, it depends on which podcast it is. If it is the number one podcast of the year, the All Star Game podcast. Right. It's Super Bowl prices. Yeah. We actually said we're matching the yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, just look up whatever so. they pay for the Super Bowl, and that's what we're charging. <laughs> that's what we're charging. 
<laughs> so yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, all right, well, I'll look into this because it's. I, I literally was like, it could have been 1972. I I, I hit a point. I actually wrote about this. I don't know if I told you this. I wrote a book as well. No, you. I didn't. did. It's called How to Be Perfect, um, and what? it came out in January. And there's actually a footnote about this very thing, which is that I was woken up in my house at three in the morning by the chirping, and I didn't have any nine volt batteries. I got the ladder climbed, but didn't have any batteries, and I just ripped the uh, the smoke alarm out of the wall. I just ripped it out. Of, that doesn't ripped it out of the ceiling. That that doesn't. No, work. it did. It, it it in your case, mine. I pulled it off the wall. And it kept still chirping. kept chirping. Well, in yeah. my case, it worked. And I and I had the thought as I, as I like meandered back to bed that it's possible that a fire will start and that we'll all die <laughs> in a fire. And I still was like, no, I made the right call. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, – I can't believe you wrote a book. Yeah. You know, um, all right. So my one less meaningless thing is uh, – so a couple eh, – probably a month ago now, uh, I bought a new belt. Every so often, you just gotta buy a new got belt. To. I was getting, you got to, you got to, you got to change it up, right? And and uh, I got a, uh, it's a, it was a nice belt. I actually was getting a suit for an event I had to go to, and I got a new belt. And I'm like, this is great. I got a new belt. It's perfect. Brought the belt home. Belt is great. Belt works perfectly fine. Was heading to Cooperstown. Was wearing the new belt as I walked in. Walked through the metal detector. Uh oh. It went oh, off. Oh no. It went off. And I, he's like, do you have anything on? I'm like, no, no. I've never, I never beep. Except when you're like that, sure. like random, whatever. I never beep. I'm like, no, I, I'm wearing exactly what I always wear when I go through this. And he's like, what about your belt? And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And I took off the you gotta belt. You got to get a new belt. Get rid of it. I got to get a new That's it. <laughs> yep. That belt is dead. Okay. That belt is dead. I'm changing my one less meaningless thing. <laughs> I I had a belt that was, I, was the belt I wore every single day of my life. I believe for about 14 years. Okay. I don't remember where I got it. It was a black belt. It was a non, utterly nondescript. It functioned perfectly. Right. It kept my pants up. It want. was so old and beaten up because of daily use for for yes. well north of a decade that yes. uh, I fi- it finally broke. It just broke. And it broke. The, That's what happened yeah. to me. And I uh, I had this thought of like this. I had like a I got emotional. I was like, the, I was, because I was like, when did I get this belt? And I realized I had gotten the belt before I was married. So it wow. was, yeah, so it was, this happened like two years ago. So it was at least 15 years old, because I was married in 2005. <laughs> it was at least 15 years old. And I was like, I, I brought this belt with me from New York to Los Angeles. I wore this belt on my first day of work at the office. I wore this belt wow. at my wedding, I'm sure. I wore this belt on my, the first day of Parks and Recreation, all these events. And I was yes. like, this belt has been with me. It's been so trusty. <laughs> Such a trusted part of my life. It's been a great belt. Yeah, and yes. importantly, I thought at the time, it never set off the metal detector. Oh, and yes. so I went into the to a store and I looked and I got a, the closest thing I could possibly find. It's essentially <laughs> the same belt. It's a little thinner, uh, uh, but, but basically exactly the same. And I remember walking through the metal detector for the first time wearing it and it didn't set it off. And I was so happy. Oh. And I was like, I will now have this belt until I'm 68 years old. <laughs> it's so crucial. Yeah. It's, it's crucial. a huge, you... huge factor. Oh, because you and I both know you do not go outside without Never. a belt on no matter what you're wearing Never I mean, it doesn't once. it doesn't no. <laughs> no no so 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 you you wear the belt everywhere and you only are asking two things for the belt keep your pants Correct. up 
don't beep when you go through Correct. the Correct. That's, that's it. it. Those are the only Those are the two things. And if you do I don't that, care what it looks like. Email. I don't care what it what what company makes it. It couldn't matter less. Keep your keep my pants up and don't beep when I go through the metal detector. And don't beep. So now I have to get a new yeah. belt. That's it. And by the way, I don't again, you know, our not only is advertising on the podcast incredibly expensive, our consultant work that we do on the side, you know, mm-hmm. you know about that. Um hugely you know, expensive and, and people hugely profitable. Saying, so, so I don't like giving people free advice, but I would say to big belt, to all the belt people out there, put on the belt. Will not. Yes. Give, give me a guarantee. Yeah. Will not beep. Through will not the beep. And then charge $10 more for it. And you will make money. Absolutely. Yes. I'm paying it. I'm yeah. paying that 10 bucks. Yeah. All you have to do is just, and put like a little metal detector with an X yeah. through it. That's it. Even that you don't even need to say it. Just create a cool logo or that it will not go through. Take out not, a 30 uh, second ad in the Super Bowl and just have a yes. guy wearing the putting putting on the belt walking through the metal detector having it not beep <laughs> turning to the camera and smiling and just say like, you know, the Flenderson's belt. That's <laughs> it. Flenderson's belt. And that's You'll it. You'll sell and, I mean, billions of belts. Oh my god, billions, billions of them. So all right, another successful podcast. What can I say? And an emergency podcast. Yes, th- thank you for rallying so quickly in the in the because of the emergency circumstances. Oh well, you know what? When when it happens, who are we? We're the guys that come down the fire. Yeah, you know, the fire. The pole that's our the that's house. our lot in life. We are the guys who respond to emergencies. <laughs> we don't. We didn't ask to be those people. We did not. We really didn't <laughs> ask, but we are. We are. All right, Mike. As always, thank you. Thanks for having me. Podcast.